Hello again, and welcome to Southeastern 14, where we talk SEC basketball. I'm Chris Lee, your host, joined by Blake Lovell and Max Barr. We will get into Tennessee's win over LSU, Auburn's win over Alabama, Mississippi State's victory over Georgia, and Texas A&M's triumph at Missouri. Before we do, we remind you that it is playoff time. The usual suspects are heading to Vegas for the championship. Our partner, BetOnline, is your number one source for football odds, stats, trends, and lines with everything for point spreads. To hundreds of bets on everything from the coin toss to the color of the Gatorade, BetOnline is the number one source for your championship wagering. Head to BetOnline, join today, get in on all the action. BetOnline, the game starts here. Blake Lovell, sometimes I have trouble remembering what we say to each other off screen and in text and what we say on the screen, but you have been pretty adamant that you thought that the rematch in Neville Arena uh, was, was going to be a tough one for Auburn. We'll get to that in a minute because uh, that was the headliner. But first, we go in order the games were played. Tennessee and LSU last night. Uh, Tennessee jumped out to a 15-1 to lead. Uh, you, you know if you're LSU um, and, and Jordan Wright doesn't show up and have a big game, which he did not, uh, you're, you're going to be in trouble. And that's that's kind of why that and Dalton Connect is is kind of why Tennessee won the ball game. It, it's lather, rinse, repeat. Uh, the, the Vols score another impressive victory in the Food City Center. Blake, I'll let you go first on that one. Well, I appreciate you allowing me to go first in this conversation. Um, <laughs> but yes, some of us uh, stayed away from certain LSU players in the fantasy draft because uh, this was a bad matchup and. Of course, it played out that way. LSU never led. Tennessee got off to a great start and pretty much just did the usual Tennessee things from there. Um, again, I don't think many people are going to be complaining about Dalton Connect scoring 27 in a game like this and other people maybe not reaching that exact level. But uh, I think you'll be fine with Ziegler scoring 17, Ganey scoring 18, uh, Adu scoring 10. You know, James had eight off that great game he had against Kentucky. So, Throw the, the the extra scoring out the window. The Vols had plenty of it here in this game. And, uh, yeah, hit 11 threes. Just, I mean, look, they, they were they were better than LSU. It was a tough spot for LSU, even though um, the Tigers did everything they could to try to claw points out of this one with offensive rebounds at 18 of them. But, yeah, I mean, when you go to Tennessee, you're going to turn the ball over, unless, I guess, you're South Carolina. I don't remember how many turnovers they had, but um, they only had 10. Yeah, when you go to Tennessee, you just know you're going to have a tough time getting some offense, and that was the case here for the Tigers. Yeah, we're starting to see a trend here. If if it's a high-tempo team, LSU plays the third-fastest tempo in the SEC, uh, you're gonna you're not going to have a good game against Tennessee. They, they love to play these fast-paced teams. They've blown out pretty much every one that they have played. Um, and you saw South Carolina, the slowest team, is one that Tennessee had a little bit of trouble with. Same with Mississippi State. So you play these fast tempo teams. Um, Tennessee's just gonna gonna do their thing. Um, it kind of a weird dynamic here with Rick Barnes not too happy in the uh, the post game after a twenty point uh, twenty point win. Was not happy with the rebounding effort at all. Uh, was not happy with the toughness. Um, they did make up for it with forcing a lot of turnovers. I think they more than doubled up the turnover. Yeah, 16 turnovers to seven. So that's where they mm -hmm. made up for the rebounding uh, the rebounding loss. Um, but I just wanted to say, hey, Jordan Ganey, season high, 18 points, season high, three steals. 
Uh, Barnes said that he was sitting next to uh, Ganey's dad and during the game and was just saying, man, he has improved on defense. Man, has he improved on defense. He has gotten light years better on the defensive end. So, man, if they can start getting some some legit production uh, from Ganey off the bench, 26 minutes, you know, you can afford for Vescovi to only score two when, when someone's coming off the bench and adding 18. So, yeah, a little bit of a, a weird dynamic where Tennessee's going to go into practice not too proud of the effort they had on the glass, and that's going to come into play here where they have Texas A&M coming up on Saturday. But nonetheless, good result. Glad to see Ganey uh, with a season high. Yeah, yeah, 10 the, or more points in three of the last five games. So, Oh, mm. interesting. And, and we talked about – I felt like that that game against South Carolina where Dalton Connect was about all Tennessee had would, would kind of be a breaking point for this offense mm. where they would say, we got to get more guys involved. And, and that is that is exactly what was happened. You, you mentioned the box score, uh, the rebounds 40-26 to 26 in LSU's favor. Yikes. Um, and Trey Hannibal – Gets to heaven. Didn't, didn't see that one coming, uh, which, which, and which tells me it was probably a little bit of an effort and, and a boxing out issue. I'm not going to tell you I sat here and logged every every rebound because I'm watching the, the Iron Bowl. We're about to get too shortly. Why you didn't you watch, you not log every rebound? Come on, what are you doing? You I got had, my. I'm going to see my log rebound. We, we got to put I in more effort here right here. Handle. Come on, <laughs> Let, let's see it. Let's see it. I'll, I'll show it to you later. Um, yeah, I'm sure you will. Yeah. But it, here's here's what I'm getting at. Here's how you win a game that you're out rebounded by by 14. You you get 13 steals and six blocks, whereas LSU had five and zero in those. That's a lot of extra possessions that you yep. buy yourselves back. Oh, by the way, Tennessee 23 assists on 31 field goals. That 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 also helps in offense. All right, Mo- moving on to the Iron Bowl. Our man Blake, I got to give him credit. He, he nailed it. And yeah, but-, but but here's the thing. It's going to be tough to win in Neville, as you know. But if you know that the game script is going to play out to be a war of fouling attrition, that that is Auburn is the last team that you want to pick in a game like that. And and I really think that and, and Auburn's muscle inside, which Charles Barkley talked about last night on the broadcast, what were the difference? Jalen Williams had a career high in points. Janai Broom was out there doing Janai Broom things. And, and this game was – not as close as I hoped it would be because I, I wanted to see this one go down to the finish and just see how it turned out. Um, but that that is decidedly not what happened, Blake. Max, you go ahead and give your thoughts. I'll, I'll give you mine here in a second. <laughs> oh, I knew. He, I, I had a feeling he was going to do that. He's he's um, cueing the snark is what he's doing. Yeah. The, the first five minutes of this game were fantastic. Fantastic. This was this had all the makings of one of those exhaustion games where you put your heart and soul into it. And then we shoot 175 and a half free throws. Um, so that kind of put a put a little you know negative stamp on the game. But nonetheless, I'm not gonna harp on the free throws too much. If you if you've been on X or Twitter at all in the last 10 hours, that's pretty much all you've probably seen because that's all I've seen. Getting to the game. This was an effort, effort and physicality game for me. Um, mm-hmm. You have the, all the effort stats, like the rebounds, uh, turnovers, all those little things, all in favor for Auburn. Um, they won the physicality match. Alabama comes out in small ball, tries to protect the turnovers on the road, tries to get the offense going early, backfires. Williams and Broom make like their first four shots, get out to a lead. 
Um, and then you see that start to snowball into a to a bigger lead. Nate Oates said that he didn't want to double Janai Broom and Jalen Williams because he didn't want to give up threes. Um, I mean, I think Auburn only scored five threes, but when you're letting up efficiency inside uh, that much, you know, yeah, you, you kind of kind of pick your poison. Um, Bruce Pearl said in the post game, he said Janai Broom and Jalen Williams have to get consideration from one of the best front courts, not only in the SEC but in the country. With, with the level that they're playing at right now, especially Broom defensively. Uh, just stuffs the stat sheet defensively almost every game now. Um, so, yeah, uh, kind of what we – well, what Blake confidently picked. I had no clue where I was going in our in our predictions video. But, Blake, you were all over this one, saw it from a mile away, and absolutely nailed it. Well, I just, you want to say that again, you want to just repeat it? We'll just do that for the next five minutes. Uh, I wouldn't, I don't mind that if you want, but no, in all seriousness, let's, let's call this what it was. Okay. Look, I said, maybe with me telling you all this, that Alabama, this is what you needed, right? You needed all three of us to pick against you. Maybe that was the motivation behind the pick. But sometimes, like I told someone on Twitter, they asked, why, why did, why did the Southeastern 14 kiss of death not work here? I said, well, sometimes my analysis is so spot on that it works <laughs> in the opposite way to where there's nothing you can do, right? Like sometimes it's just completely right. And so if I get one out of 50 right, this just happened to be the one that it was. I told you guys, even after we start recording, like I was like, hey, like we obviously play up our picks and all that. But I said, Auburn's winning this by 15 or more. I, I just there was something about this game. I told you, uh, like we were talking about the similarities with the Tennessee game. This felt like similarities, like. When you look at it, you know, everyone and someone texted me this last night. It's like, I still don't know why people aren't giving Auburn enough credit on the defensive side. Like, I know we look at Broom as like defensive player of the year, all this other stuff. But like the team as a whole, how and, and look, they gave up 81. Great. But like, it's just what they can do defensively and how hard they make it for you to, again, just do things that you want to do. Now they're in the top 10 in the country in both offensive and defensive efficiency after the 99 point performance here. And so, like, all those things, like, it just, it was a bad matchup for Alabama. Having to play a revenge game on the road, yes, like, I, I felt like I could see this game coming from a mile away, like, in terms of how this thing played out. Alabama got off to a good start, and I was like, okay, well, maybe that initial little burst for Alabama is going to be the difference in making this a good game, and maybe they have a chance to win. But eventually, it's just, you know, <laughs> Auburn's, again, running so many guys in and out, and you got everybody kind of doing different things. And it's just hard from a matchup standpoint um, to play this team, especially in their own arena. And like you said, Matt, it's when you're getting what you get out of Jalen Williams, 26 points in 31 minutes. I mean, the guy blocks a couple of shots. I feel like Broom and Williams combined for like 15 blocks. It felt like in that game, uh, they only had five and two, you know, each, but that's what it felt like in terms of just right. affecting shots and all that Alabama only at nine threes. We knew if Alabama was going to win the game, they would have had to probably hit, you know, 14, 15 threes. Um, I told you I thought they were putting up 75. They only put up 26. But, again, I think that part of that plays into the free throw thing uh, there. So, let me also just add this real quick, okay? Sometimes we're like, hey, to win the game, you need to shoot more free. That's the coach's thing. You need to shoot more free throws or you need to make more free throws than the other team shoots. Little did I know that Auburn would need to make 50. more than 35 free throws in this game to be able to make more than the other team shoots. There is no college basketball game decided by 18 points that should ever 
include 85 free throw attempts. Now, if it was a two-point game and everybody's just fouling for the last three minutes, then maybe you get there. But I just don't know how a game that is decided by 18 points gets to 85 free throws. I understand it was a very physical game. But you guys saw, Max, you said it a minute ago. What did I tweet out? Like, after the first four or five minutes, like <laughs> I'm like Max. I'm exhausted over here. I'm like, this is free-flowing basketball. <laughs> this stuff. is just great yeah. stuff. The game is just going up and down. There's no stoppages. These two guys, yeah. I mean, there's tremendous just offensive plays being made. You know, and and look, people are getting bumped in the first five minutes too. But after that, all of a sudden, it's like, boom, like, boom. Here we go. Like every two seconds, it felt like. And it's just, I mean, that was the, that was the thing on SEC basketball the past several years. We all know it. You guys remember when I was doing the stuff at Southeast Hoops and like all this, I was charting the free throws. We talk about Chris earlier, not charting the <laughs> offensive rebounds. I was charting the free throws every game. And I had usually a ridiculous stat to put out after some of these games. And it was like, oh, there was a 65 free throw game in the SEC with 54 fouls. You know, there was a 75 free throw game and so forth. I don't remember the last time I chartered an 85 free throw game in the SEC. So, and someone else pointed this out too. Okay. <laughs> This is the kind of game, the way it's officiated. Guess what it does? It helps no one. It only hurts the SEC when you get to the NCAA tournament. And so, I, I don't know, man. I That's my sidebar. Ran here. Auburn with a terrific, terrific win. And, yeah, I mean, I just – I thought this was kind of set up for this. And I, I don't know that I come out feeling any different about Alabama. I mean, this was just a bad spot. Like, if they go lose at LSU on Saturday, okay, maybe we start to – look at certain things, but th- this was just Auburn being as good as they were. It, it wasn't what I don't think it was Alabama being that bad at all. So, Okay, I, I'm going to offer a counterpoint, and, and feel free to, to shred me. I'm just going to throw this out there, okay? All right. This was this was not, you know, pick, pick two teams, Mississippi State and Michigan State. Th- th- well, there's no history. This was a building that, that was on fire before tip-off. This is a rivalry that burns as white hot as just about any in the country. These guys do not like each other. You saw a lot of jawing. You saw a lot of jawing. You saw a lot of stuff between plays. It was a physical game anyway. I'm I'm just going to counterpoint you a little bit. I wonder if a little bit of what went on was officials going, hey, this, this is a combustible environment that we're in the midst of, and we need to call it a little more tightly before we look out, we've got a fist fight erupting. Is that is that fair or is that too much? What do you think, Max? Then I'll give you my opinion on that. Um, I think it's I think multiple things can be true at once. I mean, Nate Oates said in his post game, he said we were just following. He said we were in bad position. We were lazy on defense. He said, and and that's why we fouled more than Auburn. Auburn came out with their heads on fire, and that put them with the level of energy they had, they were in better position defensively and they didn't have to foul. So I think a, a little bit of it, yes. I mean, that that environment was as intense as it gets. But also, I think that this was also a kind of a sloppy game defensively that was extra physical. And I mean, there wasn't a lot of fouls that were called that like I was like, okay, come on, that's not a foul. It was like they were fouling every time down the floor. So I think it's a little bit of both. What do you think, Blake? I'll tell you what I think. <laughs> I think we need to get Chris Lee one of these. 
because <laughs> I mean, what is he talking about here? Oh, all this stuff. Like he's trying to take up for the officials. Everybody, here we go. Chris is going to be wearing this on the next Southeastern 14 live stream. Put a referee shirt on him. Come on, Chris. No, I think you guys are exactly right. Like, I mean, look, again, it seems ridiculous on paper. And, you know, I, I did my little rant there. But but there were some plays where it's like, yep, that's a clear foul. Like, I mean, you know, it, it's a foul. You got to call it. Um, but still, I don't know. 85 free throws. Yeah, it's a lot. I know it's a lot, but it's um, a lot. It it's a physical game, and some games that I mean, let's also say this: there have been other games we've watched like this, not the exact same because it's you know, they're it's, they're different elements, rivalry game, all that. But there have been other games too that have been just as physical as that one was last night, um, from a defensive standpoint, or just bad defense at times. We didn't get to eighty-five free throws, so um, and that many fouls. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a combination of both, but. I'm just trying to keep the game flowing. That's all I'm trying to do. Um, so yeah, play better defense. Don't don't blow the whistle as much. Maybe that's the, hey, the combination. And, and in Blake's defense, when when these teams just play free flowing games, the, the brand of basketball we're watching in the SEC is as good as I've seen in a long time. I, I love scores that get into the mid 80s, sometimes 90s or 100s, depending on you know whether. You want to see a team give some defensive, but I like we've seen a lot of high scoring, fast paced games. I think it makes for phenomenal viewing. So I'm, I'm actually with Blake. That's that's what I prefer to see. But I think you've got to consider last night was a little bit of an outlier, just for all the reasons. Okay, two things I want to bring up uh, on both both sides, and I'll let you guys respond to some of it, all of it, none of it, as, as you see fit. Um, Maybe this just because the game got out of hand, but it feel like felt like Trey Donaldson and the network called it out a little bit that the broadcast crew played a little bit more of a role. And Donaldson's last two games, 10 assists, three turnovers against Ole Miss and Alabama. The Ole Miss game was on the road. I, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're already going to see a timeshare with Auburn at, at just about any position because of that depth. They, they go legit 10 deep. But – that that was kind of interesting. The other thing I thought Auburn taking 19 three-pointers, I've, I've harped on that for a while. I think they may, need to be more selective with their shooting. Like to see that. On the Alabama side, and, and by the way, the other thing Auburn did, Auburn pushed the pace. I mean, Auburn was getting out ahead and getting numbers. I think that was some of the fouling. It, that, that I thought Bruce Pearl really scattered Auburn well. I just felt like they picked their matchups. They went after it. They pushed the tempo. Alabama, as you pointed out, Max, a lot of those fouls, they just weren't getting back and getting in position, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, number two, Blake said he's not concerned about that Alabama. But I'm gonna I want to push back a little bit on that. And and granted, we are we are we are picking a beauty pageant of of opponents here that, that we're gonna bring up. But you look at the games Alabama has lost. Lost to Purdue, Zach Eady, who's going to give a lot of teams fits. Lost to Creighton, big team, Ryan Kalkbrenner. Last night, lost to Auburn, as, as we have pointed out, one of the best front courts in the country. The NCAA tournament is dependent on matchups, but the, that the blueprint to beat Alabama, I thought, was right in front of you last night. We'll, we'll see if Nate Oates has got a counter somewhere. I think that's fair. Um, I I was texting. I was actually talking to uh, Nate Oates Burner on on Twitter this morning, talking some Alabama hoops, and we both kind of agreed that the same concerns going into the Alabama game are the same ones we have coming out. You know, 
mm-hmm. offensively, they're going to have issues with turnovers and they're going to have issues uh, with consistency defending the interior. You, you might get good stretches where Nelson has a, you know, he, he holds his own and then maybe Woggy gets a block or something like that, but it's just the 40 minutes of consistency they're not going to have. So it's like nothing changed in my opinion of Alabama. It's still the, they put up 81. They're going to be able to explode offensively, but we know what the weaknesses are. As far as real quick, just Trey Donaldson. I think he's the. I think he's the guy to go to for in late games when you need a guy handling the ball. Just the comparison to him and Ian Holloway: six three, two hundred pounds for Donaldson, six one, one seventy five for Holloway. Donaldson's just a little bit more mature, a little bit more physically mature, and can hold his own in these physical games. But yeah, I think I think that's a good assessment, Chris. I'm not concerned about Alabama. Um, I will say, though, the three-point shooting is something that, yeah, like I keep keep mentioning, like Auburn's three-point shooting numbers. It only take 19. That obviously led to more free throws, too, because they were attacking more than they were settling for threes, which they kind of did, you know, a little bit more of that in the last game against Alabama. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you're an Auburn fan, you love it if they only shot 19 threes every game or, you know, below that number. So, I know they hit back-to-back, you know, whatever double-digit against Bandy and Ole Miss, but I still think the best path to victory is what you saw last night, just using their their speed, athleticism, and and Jani Broom um, just to, to attack. So, uh, yeah, Alabama, you'll be just fine. Don't let Debbie Downer over here bring you down after another loss because you're not going to see these two teams. I'm not saying Alabama's going to win the national championship, but they're still going to be good enough to where they're not going to see – a lot of teams like this uh, and this because you're not playing on the road for starters, but um, yes, teams with outstanding big men, terrific big men, once in a lifetime, big men, perhaps could, could be an issue for this Alabama team, but how many of those guys are out there? There's not a lot. So just bad matchup. Moving along, Mississippi State gets a win at the hump, 75-62 over Georgia in one of the most predictable game flow things in the SEC. Georgia made it interesting late. Mississippi State just spread the floor, got it to, to, to Lou Smith, said make plays, which he did. He finishes with 19-12. and 12. Cam Matthews had a stats sheet stuffing game, nine points, 11 boards, four assists, three steals, four blocks. Uh, somebody ripped uh, – was reaping the benefits of that one. We'll get to that later. And let's see what else. Um, I, I guess that was most of it. Um, yeah, Max, I'll let you start. I think you probably saw more of this one than, than the rest of us. I watched a lot of the second half, but I think you probably watched more of it in totality than the other two of us. Yeah. Um, Cam Matthews left off the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year watch list. They must be saving him for Bully Ball of the Year award. Uh, they, they've got to be because he played a fantastic game. Um, he actually got interviewed post-game, said that this week, uh, the whole week, practice, when they weren't in practice, everything there was about getting back to their defensive and rebounding identity. That's what this whole week was about. DJ Jeffries in, DJ Jeffries out. Didn't matter. They wanted to get back to their identity. And Blake was all over this one too, said, Georgia's probably going to struggle to score in this one. They end with 62. Um, Great game from Kashawn Murphy. Comes back first game since January 6th. Has double digits. Um, Stretches the floor, two threes. So you love to see that. And then Rams Davis 
eight assists, one turnover. It was just a clean game for for Mississippi State. Uh, well played game at home. Good bounce back. Um, shot the shot some free throws pretty well. It, it was just it was a clean game. They didn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, Sean Jones, I think, hit who was stepping in for DJ Jeffries, plays over thirty minutes. Played had a huge shot. I believe it was just under six minutes left. Something like mm-hmm. six minutes five thirty. Uh, Georgia blue cane shot cuts it down to three. Uh, Sean Jones hadn't made a three all game. Takes a big shot and hits it. Uh, stretches the lead back out to six, and then the lead just kept kind of growing out from there. So, yeah, clean game. Um, I think we kind of had a good read on this one, and uh, it was it was nice to see some other guys get in the action for Mississippi State. Sean Murphy, Sean Jones, and and such. Chris over there telling Max he watched this game more than. Me, how do you know? How do you know my, how much I watched this game? How do you know? Were you here? I watched the whole game. I got the full 40-minute shot chart here, Chris. Where's yours? You got to get back to logging rebounds on Tennessee and LSU. So this game was partly unwatchable. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you said it, Max. Like, L- or Georgia had 11 points with five minutes left in the first half. Yeah. And I told you I thought this was going to be an ugly, low-scoring game. It actually got a little bit higher than I thought it would be. Um, you know, the way it started, I'm like, this thing's going to be 50 to 38 or something. Um, but scoring picked up a little bit after that. Cause it was, it was, it was 22 to 11 with five and a half yeah. minutes left in the first half. And I'm like, Oh my. Um, but you know, Georgia, it's the streakiness, as we said, like they, mm-hmm. they, they were able to pick up a little bit and you know, when they even got it down to, Oh, they get to five, I think in the second half. They got Maybe, to three. Uh, yeah. Well, that's right. They got to three. So, um, yeah, so I mean, it's I don't know. Like I, I think again, this game was kind of what you thought it would be. Mississippi State did the things they should have done to win. Although I think shooting twenty eight threes is too min- too much for this team. I just don't think they should do that. Uh, they made their free throws, Max. I mean, that's a round of applause because yeah. it's a team that just has not shot the ball well from the free throw line. So they at least took advantage of those, and that was a big step forward. I would say if you want to be confident about that. Um, I don't have a lot more to add. This was kind of the game you thought it would be. Georgia made their threes, but again, just I just don't trust them offensively um, throughout a 40-minute game. They're just going to have too many kind of places where I just don't feel confident they're going to find a way to score, against, especially against a good defensive team like this in Mississippi State who has played well at home. So good job, Tolu Smith. I needed your point production in the fantasy. Um, but, yeah, this was about the game you thought it would be. Okay, last one, the nightcap. Texas A&M, 79, Missouri, 60. I'll give you a couple of quick takeaways. I know it's Missouri. I know Missouri's awful defensively, but second straight really good game out of Tyrese Radford. I'm starting to get a much better feel for A&M, or a much better feeling about A&M is a better way to put it. When he scores – Wade Taylor did what he does. He hits difficult shots. He knows angles. He knows how to work them about as well as anybody. Oh, Anderson Garcia. Name doesn't get discussed a lot here, but this guy could have been on our list of most underrated players. Only seven points last night, but two blocks, a steal, five assists, and 16 rebounds in 33 minutes. Missouri plays without Sean East. You know it's going to be tough anyway. East is probably their best player. That ankle, I guess, was bothering him enough to where he couldn't go. Missouri's having to pull guys off the bench like Majak and Kurt Lewis, who who don't play that much. Uh, just kind of a nightmare of a season. And I think about the only thing left to watch for is 
Does Tamar Bates ever miss a free throw again? Uh, rough year for your client, Dennis Gates, Blake. And I, I don't know what you do about it. Missouri now 0-10 in the league. Well, I know what some Missouri fans want to do about it. They want him fired based on my oh. Twitter replies. And I don't know what they're looking at here. I get it. It's been a terrible season. Like, let's not kid ourselves. It's a bad season. But at some point, you got to look up here and realize that it's the same stuff we talked about. Yes, they missed on some guys transfer-wise. There's no question. But the fact is, if you're playing a game without Sean East and you get to 60 points, it's probably, you know, an accomplishment. And so they got beat by 19. They weren't winning this game without Sean East. We talked about the other guys. You know, Caleb Grill's still not back. Tom Jay's out for the season. What were probably projected to be three of your top five players. Okay, you're without them in this game. Of course, you know, if you go to the other games, you've been without two of them. They are they are doing they need to be doing some things better. I, you know, there's there's room for criticism when you're 0-10. <laughs> like it's not just the roster and who's playing and who's not. Like they they have to be able to make some adjustments and get this thing to at least, you know, where they have better chances, maybe. But again, I don't the games have been close. Let's keep that in mind. Like it's not like they're getting blown out every game. Although you could have called this as a blowout without Sean East. Like if we'd have known this in the preview, none of us would have hesitated to even say this is going to be a game. Like we would have been all in on the Aggies here. Um, even though we all picked them, it's like, I, I don't know. Like, I just, I think it's one of these things where for Missouri, it's a lost season, but you got a top five recruiting class next year. You try to rebound. I've always said, if you go over in the sec, nothing's off the table uh, in terms of all that kind of stuff. And so I'll repeat that here, but I just I think it's one of those where it's not like it's not justified, like and to a certain extent, like not everything is, but you can at least find the reasoning as to why they are where they are right now. And yes, a nice performance from Texas A&M, Tyrese Radford. Maybe I should have drafted him in the fantasy draft, uh, but yeah, at least offensively, they're moving in the right direction. They still can't shoot it, but they're moving in the right direction. They're getting offensive rebounds. This was just a great matchup for A&M, all things considered. Yeah, the, the, I mean, you could just draw your conclusion from this game of just, okay, there was no East, no Tanjay, no Grill, and just call it a night. But the things that Missouri can still control, they're, they're, they're getting beat up on, especially the boards. I mean, Anderson Garcia with 16 rebounds, Missouri had 22 total. You know, one guy comes six rebounds off, re out-rebounding the entire team. Um, I saw forget who posted it, but it was a uh, a box plus minus of each five-man lineup that Missouri ran last night. And by far, by far the worst was when they went a little bit smaller and had Noah Carter and Aiden Shaw as the front court. And and if you were watching the game, Garcia, Coleman, and Levesque, they, these guys just ate it up. The, the physicality was no match. And that was pretty much the story. I mean, the, the the score, the final score got a little bit blown out. That last 10 minutes, Texas A&M really dominated. Um, so it, it, it wasn't a complete blowout, but it, it kind of was at the same time. Just a brutal matchup. Anytime Missouri's going to face these physically imposing teams that just crushed the glass, they're going to have they're going to have a struggle. So, yeah. Tough All right, result. Chris. Chris, you got to go. Get it over so with. We're, we're now we're gonna let you go. We'll we'll, we'll talk about the fantasy um, unless you want to stay around for this because once again, I would just like to point out <clears throat> that I picked last, so I just want to make that perfectly clear. Um, I, I'm in last right now, but I'm pretty close to the guy who picked first. Just want to point that out too. So maybe Chris is about to break the streak here. You got a lot of weight on your shoulders on this one. You picked first, and it looks well. like you're about to get 
just taken to the woodshed here by Max Barr, who is just, you know, I, I have an excuse. You don't. Um, I mean, Max's team is just on a roll right now. So, well, I, I, I think there's an error in the graphic here. Did I not have Will Baker instead of Jordan Wright? Oh, <laughs> oh here we go. Dear God. Oh, Judge gee. Judy. I mean, Jordan, well, I mean, Jordan I, Wright's Jordan Wright's jump shot was obviously injured last night, and I think that's grounds to replace picks after the fact. Isn't that, isn't that well, how it works? All, we just we just slide him. the the boundaries a little further out there. You picked him knowing he was playing at Tennessee. That was oh, your first problem. says the man who picked Trey Mitchell knowing he was hurt, and then acts like later. Oh, I didn't know. Who knew Trey Mitchell had a bad back, even though his numbers have been declining for five straight okay. games, and it was public record at that point. I could have had Trey Mitchell still on my team, and he still would have only got outscored by four points against the guy who played almost the entire game for your team. <laughs> so let's not kid ourselves here. So I love Jordan Wright. I, I, I wish, you know, I picked him on my team before, but for you to pick him in that matchup at Tennessee, what were you thinking? That's my question. That's my question hey. for you. Well, let's see. Who's he got this weekend? Somebody better than Tennessee. He's got Alabama. Matchup. He'll put up 25 yeah, that, against Alabama. <laughs> oh, at least. There will there'll be some points scored in that one. Hey, look, it, it, this is all this is all painting around the edges. When Wade Taylor gets 42, Zakai Ziegler gets 59. Connect goes for 61, and Cam Matthews, who you you sniped out in front of me, goes for 53. We're all just we're all just playing for the NIT here. Listen, Ziegler six, coming off a 65 point performance. Good now he's got grief. 59. Come on, please. I mean, yeah, Ziegler's on fire. Number one, of course. The thing Connect with Ziegler, why he's getting week. so many points. Ziegler has 22 assists in his past two games, Ooh. which is just ridiculous. Um, All right. Well, congratulations. Uh, the thing's not over yet. So um, <laughs> we'll talk about this on Sunday or Saturday night. Has anybody ever had two thirty three in one set of games? I think that's a new that. Well, I know that's a new record. We're, we're, you know, we found our identity. We're playing bully ball. No one wants to, no one wants to go into the paint with us. We're just, we're setting records over here. So um, un until the physicality gets matched and the referees start blowing the whistles, we're just going to keep playing bully ball over here. Yeah. <laughs> here comes, here comes Chris Lee. Here comes Chris. the referee, Chris Shouse. Yeah. To the, to the well, Blake cheated and he's still in last. That's the best part of this. I cheated. Yeah. Well, I I'm just waiting for the randomizer next week. That's all I'm waiting for. So <laughs> we all know I got no shot here. So, Anyways. all right. All right. Thanks for watching and listening. For Blake Lovell and Max Barr, I'm Chris Lee. This is Southeastern 14 presented by Bet Online.